Yeah, so you may be surprised to find I did not do a ton of like deep dive into the production of this movie. <laughs> no. I, I watched probably like half of it on my own because Carly was busy and then we sat down to watch it and she's like, I don't need to see the first half, just catch me up on it and I'll watch the back half with you. <laughs> and I tried explaining the plot to her and I realized that I just like, I sounded like an insane person. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> He's rich, and then he starts paintballing, and then he gets chased by the cops, and he falls in a trash chute, and then he thinks he's Santa, and then Ed Bigley Jr. Uh, is looking for these crystals under an orphanage, and then he goes to the orphanage, and he used to grow up at the orphanage, but yeah. he doesn't remember it's, that he... It's, we got it. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're ready to do it, gang? I am. All right. What's up, everybody? We're back. It's Hit Factory. My name is Aaron. My name is Carly. Today, we have a very special guest, returning champion... Here for his hat trick, in fact, in the Hit Factory, uh, writer and wrestling fan, Zach Vasquez on the show. Zach, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm uh, very excited to talk about Santa with Muscles, uh, which I watched the other day. I have never seen Battleship Potemkin, but I watched Santa with Muscles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, that is the, the subject of today's show. It is the 1996 film Santa with Muscles, starring uh, a very famous wrestler, uh, Terry Eugene Bolia, better known as one Hulk Hogan. Uh, it is 97 minutes of our lives. We will never get back. Uh, that could have been spent doing any number of productive things. Uh, it's not good, to, to say the least. And I don't think any of us expected it to be good going into it I, I we we knew this one was going to be very silly um and even for the low standards it it proved it proved a challenge i don't know how your experience was zach but there was a um, yes. it just it just does not move at all no it in, in in that way it is very very similar to watching a wrestling match with hulk hogan it's kind of <laughs> kind of has the same same feel as that uh very inert lots of long stretches where you just you don't even remember them because they they just pop it feels like it's on pause uh, oh my gosh yeah so <laughs> he just brings that sense <laughs> of uh time stretching outward in every direction to everything that he does yes. i guess just like yes. a, just like an endless black hole just a void <laughs> at the center of things oh here oh my god um we picked this of course because it is our our christmas special merry christmas to you zach if, Thank if you. you're merry celebrating christmas. um and happy holidays to our listeners as well um but I, I think that's a good jumping off point, Zach, because I was going to ask, you know, Hulk Hogan might be like one of the most famous wrestlers to have ever done it. Yes. Uh, I, I know, you know, even just sort of in passing, having probably only seen a handful of hours of wrestling in my life, like I, I knew who this man was. I could identify him. I saw him in advertising and product placements. I've seen some of his matches. Um, and I was going to to ask if you were were part of this uh, so-called Hulkamania that was mm-hmm. sweeping the nation in the 80s and early 90s. And it sounds like you were not not a huge fan. No, this. that's that's actually not the case. I, as a child, I was a huge fan. Um, Hulk Hogan yeah. is... Look, here's the thing with Hulk Hogan. Uh, as a wrestling fan to this day, uh, Hulk Hogan is, is a bad wrestler. <laughs> He's not good. He's never been considered an actual, in terms of in-ring work, very good. He's, he's very boring. Uh, but the man came at a time, he was like the perfect guy for, for the, for the time. Mm. And he did, he does have, he, he used to have, he still does, I guess. But like at that moment, he was just such like 
an encapsulation of like the 80s era, big, you know, Reagan era, big capitalist, uh, you know, just like muscles, masculinity over the top America, rah, rah, rah. And, you know, he, 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 you have to give him credit for, you know, managing to tap into uh, uh, that zeitgeist. And it is through him more than anyone else, through his, his charisma that wrestling became the cultural force uh, that we know it as today, I, I, more so back then. Uh, wrestling has kind of had uh, two great big cultural moments where it was, uh, you know, part of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was in the 80s with Hulk Hogan. Um, and the other one was in the late 90s, early 2000s, right. where, uh, again, Hogan, which we'll talk about because it actually coincides very much with this movie, where right. he, him and a couple other guys in WCW uh, formed a faction called the NWO, uh, which was super popular and kicked off what is known as the Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWF at the time. WWE at the time, WWF, uh, where they were going head to head on Monday nights with their programs. And uh, eventually WWF would win that ratings war as well as just the larger one for a number of reasons, several of which include... Uh, actions taken by Hulk Hogan that would help destroy the company WCW, leading to Vince McMahon buying it, but also because WWF found two guys who, even more than Hogan, tapped into a uh, mainstream audience, and that was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And to this day, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan is probably, if you you do a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, those three guys have to be on it, uh, Mm. despite, you know, Hogan's personal stuff, which we'll get into. Uh, but more than anyone else, even Hogan in the 80s, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, I believe to this day remains the biggest draw that wrestling has ever had. Like that man mm-hmm. sold more tickets, more pay-per-views, more merch than anyone. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, so this this movie is actually coming about right when that's about to break. And there's some interesting mm-hmm. stuff going on with Hogan at that time that I'm, that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but I'm yeah. sorry, you would ask, though, uh, as a kid, I was a Hulk Hogan fan, uh, as every wrestling kid was. <sighs> That being said, there were two guys in his era, uh, the two biggest guys for a short period were him and another wrestler called The Ultimate Warrior, Yep. who I would just advise people, he's dead now, and good riddance, but um, he's, he's an even worse person than Hulk Hogan, uh, <laughs> oh and he is a, he was, before he got like a crazy right-wing, uh, um, just xenophobic, he became, like, he'd, if he were alive today, he'd, he'd be uh, probably Alex Jones level mm. uh he was very very wow. similar in a way um but they had they had a classic and it is a pretty good match even if not by like modern standards uh match at a wrestlemania thing and so y- they were both good guys faces as they call them in the wrestling business so it was rare to have a face versus face feud mm-hmm. and because of that uh you were kind of as a child you were split into one or two camps and my brother was a hulk hogan guy i was an ultimate warrior guy so i still liked hogan but i was always i was always a warrior kid this is fascinating yeah. stuff. And this is part of the draw of all of it, right? You know, like uh, massive cultural force. Uh, obviously, this sort of, you know, you, you mentioned that Ultimate Warrior eventually takes this like really like hard right xenophobic kind of like turn. But all of that stuff feels like it's not too far away from like the the text of, of wrestling as it pertains to some of these big figures. Hulk Hogan especially feels like a character who was born and bred out of like the Reagan era mm-hmm. and, and was sort of this sort of... Uh, christian uh all-american kind of guy mm-hmm. right um I, I mean 
in in my research because I wasn't aware of these beforehand, but I came across the the four demandments, which maybe you know, Zach. Are you are you familiar with the four demandments? Yeah, they're uh, let's see, uh, they they are they are uh, say your prayers, take mm-hmm. your vitamins, say your prayer. Uh, there's something I man, I used to know these off the top of my head. I had the album, the Hulk Hogan <laughs> album. <laughs> Those are the uh, two big ones. There there's train. Train. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Yes, that's yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. and so th- that is basically the ethos of of Hulk Hogan and mm-hmm. Hulkamania, really. Yeah. But that that kind of sums up a lot of other things that were happening in like the consumer landscape at the time, right? Like, remember there was a huge fitness craze in the eighties, mm-hmm. right? Like aerobics became like a really big deal, um, and there were all these like diet fads that became really popular and sort of this idea that like in order to sort of combat the excess of like the 70s we went into this like this like age of temperance and like you know I think of like the satanic panic coming Mm -hmm. up around the same time Mm -hmm. right so this like say your prayers eat your vitamins believe in yourself like the very like meritocratic mindset like the the Four demandments I'm realizing are like pretty telling of like an entire decade of American uh political sociopolitical sure. life. Well there there are tenets of discipline and also self-improvement. There's a lot of personal responsibility stuff going on here, you know, and it's like we we have the power to uh to achieve greatness if we just follow follow these basic rules. Mm-hmm. What's interesting though about that specifically the the fitness craze and the vitamins part is that one of the times that Hulk Hogan uh, was nearly was involved in nearly destroying the entire wrestling industry, one of several times, and I think at the end of this episode, it'll be less about uh, Santa with muscles and more like the life and crimes of Hulk Hogan. But uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the first times that he nearly crashed it with not just him, but uh, was the steroid scandal that happened in mm-hmm. the I believe the right. late the early nineties, late eighties, um, right? Where WWF. Uh, at the time, you know, run by Vince McMahon to this day, who Vince McMahon is uh, the mo- craziest man to ever live. Like he is topped only maybe by Donald Trump. And I yeah. have a theory that <laughs> I have a theory that Vince McMahon is maybe the only person Donald Trump considers a real friend. Um, if you want to hear a really funny, just quick story about. Please. Yes, absolutely. That, please. Please. Um, in in one of the second times that wrestling was nearly destroyed, uh, the second, the big, the even bigger scandal turn, uh, was the uh, when was this? This would be like mid two thousands uh, when the Chris Benoit stuff happened. So if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with that, he yeah. was a he was a popular wrestler uh, who ended up uh, committing a family annihilation, killing his wife, small child, and then himself. Um, mm-hmm. And you know there was a lot of questions about you know steroids again and uh concussions that might have you know played some factor in that but uh the fu- the only funny thing that is uh right before that happened the wwf wwe were doing a storyline a very soap opery storyline where vince mcmahon uh was mur- quote quote unquote murdered uh on tv like he, he gets into his limo and it blows up and it was going to be this whole big storyline you know like uh <laughs> you know like who killed vince mcmahon at the end he would you know reveal he had faked his death and stuff uh, they had to scrap that two weeks in because then the Chris Benoit stuff happened. And they're like, okay, well, we we have to be out there facing. So we have to scrap this angle. Uh, but <laughs> when that episode aired uh, and you see Vince McMahon get into his car and it explodes, 
and it's shot like a you know soap opera it's it's you know it's clearly it's it's all playing on like tv uh apparently the next day vince mcmahon's son-in-law uh who is a wrestler uh known as triple h uh who now like was ah. running some of the business until Vince McMahon recently took away his pet project, gave him a heart attack that nearly killed him. Seriously, Succession uh-huh. Succession has nothing on the McMahon family <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I, just read up on it, please. Um, anyway, Vince he he was on a radio show telling the story, and he's like, the the day after that episode aired where Vince McMahon got blown up, I we got a call from Donald Trump, and he sounded very. He was trying to hide his concern, but he's like, did did something happen to Vince? <laughs> Oh my no. God. So not only did he think <laughs> the storyline might be real, that's the only time I have ever heard of Donald Trump coming close to showing personal concern for another human being. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Trump has had a lot of like business with the WWF and WWE over the years. Actually, yeah, he's absolutely. actually partly responsible for their rise in the 80s because he backed them. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, WrestleMania three or four was held at uh, Trump, one of the Trump casinos and he, he he bailed him out of like a tough situation. So yeah, him and Vince are very sympathetic. Obviously, Vince McMahon's wife was part of his administration in the small business. That's right. That's right. Yep. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot to about that. Which to the surprise that. of no one more than myself, uh, turned out to be one of the least problematic cabinet members. <laughs> I was like, I figured, I figured a McMahon in the White House would devastate. But that, that's how bad that Trump cabinet was. Is that she was actually one of the one of the more like responsible. Uh, right she was like on the shallow end of the pool Mm -hmm. of like like, terribleness yeah just kind of like the anodyne Mm -hmm. like okay this is fine here oh man Uh, i also didn't know that triple h was related to vince mcmahon well he married his he married vince mcmahon's daughter okay wow Hmm. okay fascinating yes yeah i mean you know what the, the interesting thing here about this like link to trump too is that i i feel like it was in the trump era that some of the the basic underlying structures and, and kind of rules of of wrestling became popularized as uh, it, as colloquialisms, you know, like I, I don't think I, I had ever heard the term kayfabe used mm-hmm. like in popular media until Trump came along. You know, the fact mm-hmm, that like Trump yeah. seemed to to really get off on this idea of playing the heel, right? Mm-hmm. Like being a kind of character who was who was reviled and despised and just eating up a lot of that negative attention that he would receive and playing sort of this like victim in yeah. the context of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he was always, he's always been a face when he comes on WWF, which is mm. in my opinion, like the, the nader of their uh, business, not just cause I hate Trump, but like, <laughs> it's just, he's so bad at it. Um, and that was during an era where it was like, get as many celebrities as possible to like show up. And it was, it's, it's very much not about wrestling. Um, mm. Yeah, and it was they were just trying to catch the next big thing because the Attitude Era, which is there's there's a few eras. There's the Golden Age, which is what Hulk Hogan is. You think of when you think of Hulk Hogan, the '80s mm-hmm. stuff that ended with the steroid scandal that Hulk Hogan was very much involved in, nearly destroyed the company. Vince McMahon almost went to to prison. He managed to just con his way out, much like Trump has done throughout his life. Wow. Uh, but that resulted in like uh, you know the culture like kind of backlash to wrestling. The first one and you know, like I said, the company was nearly destroyed, um, and they had to. They had then had to pivot away from like they never pivot away from steroids because steroids have always and continue to be a thing. But they pivoted away from like m- these huge, huge like muscle-headed guys, and they had to right. like they had to they had to they couldn't do the same type of steroid use, which is why you see Hogan, especially in like a movie like this, is much smaller than he is in the yes. 80s. 
I remarked, I remarked mm-hmm. on that to Aaron. I was like, he looks very like svelte. I, mm-hmm. He's not as hulky as yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still jacked, but he he's, yeah. but he's, he's very much, you know, thinner in the face and, and he, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that kind of like bloated quality. Yeah. He, he looks considerably smaller in the movie. Yeah. And you see that across the wrestling spectrum at around this time. They, they, it's uh, the, um, the new, the new generation era, which is where you get guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and these newer, like slimmer, more athletic guys. And the quality of the wrestling goes up with that. But at the same time, like it wasn't what people wanted. So the ratings are going down. Then the Monday Night Wars happened, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, soon. And uh, a lot of that has to do with Hulk Hogan. That leads to the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, just crazy storytelling and like over the top stuff. Way more adult but by adult i mean like stuff that appeals to 13 year old boys uh (laughs) you know so lots of gratuitous sex and you know just crazy you know toilet humor Uh, Mm. uh, (laughs) several instances of blackface uh just (laughs) just you know just like it's like it's like if south park had no you know, redeeming satirical merit. And it right. all just like, you know, it's, it's, it comes at the same time as like South Park uh, mm-hmm. is hitting. They even have a character who's like carries around a Cartman doll. Like it's all part of that culture of that 2000s new metal and stuff where it's just like mm-hmm. unwashed teenage boys are our key demographic. Uh, but it's also <laughs> the most culturally popular stuff. And it gives us The Rock, who right. is by far, he The Rock is what Hulk Hogan tried to be. The guy yeah. who made the jump from wrestling into movie stardom and just a brand in juggernaut in and of himself. Um, so then that, that Ed attitude era uh, crashes down uh, around the time a little bit before, but especially around the time of like the Chris Benoit stuff. Uh, and then you have what is called the um, ruthless aggression era. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the era where Chris Benoit stuff happens, but That's kind of that leads into then uh, the WWE rebranding as a family friendly company, partly because Linda McMahon had uh, political aspirations that until Trump Mm -hmm. came into office were never realized for many good (laughs) reasons. Uh, But they they rebranded. And for a long time, for like 10 years, WWE had been a PG family. And it's arguably the worst period of wrestling of all time, even as the independent circles like independent wrestling promotions started rising up because up to that before that wrestling had been a territorial industry prior to the wwe and hulk hogan and really hulk hogan jumping ship from one of those territories you know you'd have like the georgia wrestling territories and you have these other ones and sometimes they would have like interpromotion things but there was an understanding that like you didn't you didn't like no one was gonna like pick people from those territories and and move out like it was all very gentlemanly understanding Mm. vince mcmahon's father was a big uh part of that uh vince mcmahon entered the family business and made a promise to his father pretty much on his deathbed that I won't, you know, steal from like these other like territories. Immediately broke it. Picked Hulk Hogan. Wow. Yeah. Saw something in Hogan, picked him, Andre the Giant, all these guys. Uh, and that just destroyed the territory system. Like, so, you know, it was WWF and then WCW comes along, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, is is taken from a lot of those Southern wrestling roots. Ted Turner right. decides I, I want to be in the wrestling business. I'm going to destroy the man. <laughs> Ends up losing that war. And all like a, a couple of the other like wrestling companies at the time, like there's ECW, which is like the uh, like extreme alternative one of that. They all fold. WWE eats up the whole industry for for a good 15 years. There's no co- there's no viable competition. Um, 
you know, there's a couple other promotions that have some like, you know, a little bit of, 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 a, of a following, but nothing that can compete overseas. Japan is kind of faltering. It's only been in the last like 10 years that you've seen a rise in independent promotions. And yeah, I was going to uh, say, I, I've seen a lot of AEW and yes. I, and I can't, can't, I'm not familiar with the personnel. I'm not familiar with many of the wrestlers, mm-hmm. but I, I, I see a lot of, uh, people within our kind of like Twitter spheres, mm-hmm. um, who are, are big fans of this yes. particular, uh, organization and promotion. What is it that you think allowed for that to manifest mm-hmm. and emerge in the last decade? Uh, so there's a couple things. Um, I will just say straight off the bat, uh, I am a huge AEW fan. I think that what they are doing is incredible. Um, they don't always succeed with what they try to do. They're not perfect, but they are they are the first viable alternative to WWE since WCW folded. Oh, wow. And the quality of their product, uh, which is unlike WWE still to say, actually wrestling focused. Because WWE, mm-hmm. if you watch an episode, you get... It, you do not get a majority of a wrestling show on that. You get a lot of really bad promos and sketches and advertisements. Whereas you watch AEW, you get those too, but you get incredible wrestling matches for the majority of the episode. Um, hmm. And look, AEW is formed by a couple of uh, one one person who uh, left WWE and it had a bad relationship with them uh, named Cody Rhodes, who is the son of a legendary wrestler and promoter named Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he left that company, uh, uh, you know, with like bad blood. Uh, they they didn't use him well. They treated him wrong. Went hit the independent circuit. Is large is is a lot responsible for like getting the independent circuit a lot more juice because it showed like oh a big name guy can actually make it there. He teamed mm-hmm. up with a couple of uh, guys who were big also on the independent scene and huge in Japan because the other thing that's happening is New Japan Pro Wrestling is having its second golden age. Oh wow. Uh, one of the WWE guys, one of their biggest stars named Chris Jericho, decides to jump yeah. ship, uh, which no one saw coming. Works with Japan. And then together they form AEW after putting on this like amazing show that sold out a stadium that no that people said, like, you can't sell that out. Like only WWE can sell that out. And made a bet, like a public bet, did it. Gets the attention of a guy named Tony Khan, who is the son of the Jaguars, I believe, football team owner. So billionaire oh, wow. kid. Okay. Right. Uh, You know, using, you know, his daddy's billions to build a company. But from all accounts and from what you can see online, like he's kind of the like opposite version of Vince McMahon. Like he's still a billionaire. He's still a billionaire's kid. We, you know, I get it. But like he, they treat their wrestlers much better. And they're, they're much more of a like culturally woke product. Although, you know, as much as wrestling can ever be. But yeah, I mean, and now huge names from WWE have been jumping ship. Uh, also because WWE over the last year and a half has decided they have, they bought up all these independent wrestlers over the last few years, and now they are firing them in droves. So every couple of months, there will be a new story of WWE firing 15 people at a time, even though their profits have never been higher. So everyone hates WWE right now. Everyone loves AEW. Uh, the independent scene is flourishing again. And to answer your question about what allowed that to happen, uh, the stagnation that just WWE had, like wrestling fans had almost like nowhere to go. So it was just this mm. groundswell of like, we need an alternative. We need some alternatives. And uh, we're finally having one. And, you know, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Uh, there's always the worry that, you know, it just can't compete with WWE's global brand. Right. And it, it'll fall. But uh, it's doing, been doing pretty good so far. And uh, it shows that there is a, a viable alternative. And 
I don't think that they're going to make the same mistakes that Ted Turner and Hulk Hogan made before <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a good feeling about it. So, well, and I also feel like, and, and this is totally anecdotal, but just from what I see online, like I see the conversations on social media being about AEW and mm-hmm. the matches and like the energy around that, um, that league, whatever you want to call it is, is more sort of like prevalent online. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't feel like I see as much of a digital presence, um, from the fandom and from the marketing of WWE, mm-hmm. which I think is like evidence of what you're speak- speaking to, right? That it's sort of still stuck in this like older era of like exploitation and profit making and kind of like the the old ways of, of it being successful previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, culturally, there's no question that AEW is currently just kicking WWE's ass um, in terms <laughs> of like cultural cachet. Now that... It doesn't necessarily mean that much when it comes to the bottom line of things. Right. So AEW is still a new company, you know, so from what I've read, they're doing really well, but they're still technically in the red because, you know, they're, they're still investing in new things. Like they're investing in a big video game that, that hasn't come out yet. Whereas, you know, WWE mm. has 20 million to their name and ratings right. wise, it's interesting ratings wise because uh, they tried to redo a like Monday Night War thing where... WWE put their quote unquote developmental brand, which was the best wrestling that WWE has ever had. It was run by Triple H. It is an incredible, like third, like third brand of WWE. Uh, and it was technically the developmental where young guys or guys from the independent scene would come in, you know, uh, it wasn't as advertised as the bigger shows, you know, cut their teeth learning the trade and then be moved up. Very quickly it became, oh, this is actually like the best wrestling promotion in america because triple h huh. for as awful as he can be knows how to run a uh, wrestling promotion and you're just getting these incredible matches when AEW formed they're like okay we're gonna move that to the the time slot to go head to head with AEW to try to just destroy the this speaks to what vince mcmahon is there can't be competition with him yeah. he's like donald trump like destroy the competition he doesn't believe mm-hmm. in competition like he doesn't believe in the like you know rise like rising tides lift all boats idea he just wants to destroy uh, but they lost this one. Uh, AEW kicked their a- kicked NXT's ass in the ratings, uh, and because of that, Vince McMahon has now dismantled NXT, turned it into just the ugliest fucking Nickelodeon looking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's coincidental. I don't think it's coincidental that Triple H had a massive heart attack around that oh same my time, God. Uh, which he's still recovering from. Uh, and this is all happening with all the firings and, and stuff. Uh, so AEW won that. However, um, AEW is nowhere near getting the ratings that like the two main shows that WWE has, SmackDown and Raw. Mm. Like, nowhere near, except in the key demographic, which is like huh. 18 to 30-something-year-old men. Uh, right. In that demographic, AEW has been steadily winning. But in larger overall ratings, they 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 still they are still not on the level of those shows. Will they ever become that? I hope so, but it, it will be a while just because of how massive a presence uh, the WWE has, and because you know there are they have a massive deal with Fox and they have a massive deal with the USA mm-hmm. Network, and right. So you know it's an interesting it's an interesting time, and it feels maybe more precarious just because of what's happened in the past. But I, I honestly think it's a, a really good situation right now for wrestlers um you know still you could still use a union but that's probably never going to happen yeah. uh mm-hmm. 
I was going to say, you know, like when you're talking about all of this, like there is this idea of, you know, WWE being this sort of very uh, institutionalized, very sort of classic, like neoliberal idea of like labor and, and you know, a, 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 a boss, you know, and, and, and that kind of like exploitative nature of the work um, and and AEW uh, possibly offering an alternative to that in terms of like the care culture kind of thing that would eventually turn into something that looked more like a employee led sort of, mm-hmm. of operation, but AEW is the co-opt of wrestling. Yeah. The co-op of wrestling. <laughs> they're like a co-op of wrestling. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I mean, certainly they're like an underdog story. And like, as you even tell it, I'm like, Oh, I'm rooting for these guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I want to see them succeed and provide an alternative and, and it will be interesting to see how that develops over time. Yeah. I think it's telling that the biggest, uh, most popular wrestler that WWE has had in the two most popular wrestlers that they had since the attitude era, CM Punk, who had a massive falling out with them? Um, Punk has his own problems. He can he can he can be a guy who uh, he can be a bit of a, a, a of a ego maniac himself, and he mm-hmm. certainly doesn't have a perfect record when it comes to some of the stuff that he's done. But he is a much more sympathetic figure uh, compared to WWE, who, as he's told many times, like nearly killed him, like with the health issues that he was going through and, and their response, and at the same time, like just not wanting to latch onto the WWE is the weirdest thing where they do they have an active resentment against their fans so uh, so it's because of Mr. McMahon his idea is like I want my guys that I handpick to be the top guys and I will shove them down your throats until it happens and it sometimes works like Roman Reigns is their biggest guy now and is legitimately doing some great work and is pretty much over which is the term for like popular in wrestling but that took almost 10 years to happen. He has been trying to make him the new rock for, for 10 years. And it has mm. been a massive failure up until this last year when he did what the rock did, which made him popular, which is I'm going to turn heel. Uh, mm. The rock, when he first started was the blandest baby face. He was getting chance of die, Rocky die from the fans. <laughs> uh, and they just kept trying to push him. Cause he comes from a long lineage of, you know, wrestling dynasty, like a family. Uh, and Subban was set on pushing him, and it wasn't until he went, "All right, let, let's let's stop this smiling baby face crap. Let me be the bad guy. Let me work the mic uh, like I, I know I can do." And then he became the second most popular wrestler of the era and of all time. Same with same with Roman Reigns. Now, uh, you know, as soon as he's like, "All right, enough with this cutesy baby face crap. Let me just be like the final boss in a video game." Now he's over. Uh, you know, Cena. Cena never went heel, but Cena. You know, he's now a big movie star, but. He still gets like half boo chance, whatever he goes, die Cena, die chance huh. and stuff. And it's all because Vince McMahon has this thing of like, they're my guys. They're, they're the ones that I picked and I will continue to push them no matter what. Meanwhile, hmm. you'll get other guys who get an organic following, an organic groundswell of support, like CM Punk, like Brian Danielson, uh, aka formerly uh, Daniel Bryant. Um, hmm. And WWE is always reluctant to push that. And it ends up driving a lot of guys out. Now, they eventually did yeah. get behind... Brian Danielson, because the massive support for him was just too overwhelming. He's like been the most popular person in their company in forever. And he's on good terms with them. And he just headlined WrestleMania. And then as soon as his contract came up, he jumped ship to AEW. So huh. that and he's the most wow. like he is the most universally beloved guy in the industry. There's ne- no one has ever had a bad word to say about him. Uh, you know, in the industry or outside outside of the industry, he's very much known as like 
a, a very uh, a, a, a staunch environmentalist and to the point where he refuses to have merch, which is like the money making thing. Cause he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, like I, I, you can say that like, you know, things I do already, you know, have like, you know, a, 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 a you know, footprint that hurts environment, but I don't have to do extra things if I don't need to, to hurt it. So like, right. I, and he leans into that sometimes to be the bad guy on the show, which is hilarious. Like he'll use the environmentalism thing to be like an obnoxious heel. Cause that's yeah. this, this man's idea of a heel. <laughs> it's like, and he'll make it work. He'll get over on it because he's just so good. And that's he's awesome. arguably the greatest wrestler of all time in terms of in-ring work. Um, that wow. is very much a, 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 so, you know, the fact that this guy, you know, turned down WWE when his contract came up, even though he's at the top of their, uh, company and making massive amounts of money and just to jump ship because he liked the product he liked AEW what they were doing so much and and you know very correctly says like it's good for the industry for me to to jump ship even though i have a good relationship with WWE. i i think that tells you uh you know what what that what that says about the cultures of both companies Mm. and the industry as a whole Mm -hmm. and the fact that they managed to actually get cm punk who retired and no one thought was ever going to come back uh the fact that AEW now has him it's interesting to hear you talk about like Vince McMahon's relationship with the fans and that, you know, he very much resents them and is, is about like, it's about my guys. Right. Yeah. And like, f- I, I detest you, the people that like make my money and, and have, have built this thing. It feels very Trumpy. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah big time. absolutely. Uh, like they are so similar in so many ways. It's, they're just like mirror images of one another. Uh, but Vince McMahon has, and they both kind of have always wanted the same thing, which is mainstream respectability. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. But Vince McMahon is a little bit more of a showman. And mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this, like he likes it too much and he's better at it is the thing. If yeah. He's got some swagger. Oh man. He, when he's on as, as an on-screen character, which he did, he varies wisely after this huge scandal that they had called the Montreal screw job, uh, which is too long to go into now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> look it up. Like, yeah, look it up. It's yeah. Um, after that, he he. Before that, he was never the public face of his company. He was an he's an in ring announcer. Uh, mm, right. And like older fans knew he was the 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 boss. But like at the time, I don't think I was really aware of that either when I was a kid. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. that after, happened where he's like, okay, I'm gonna get out in front of the story, reveal myself as the head of the company, and become a mega villain bad guy on character uh yeah by pretty much just playing himself like and man when he was on as much as stone cold steve austin you also have to give him credit because their dynamic is what really kicked things into another gear Uh, i remember their (laughs) like their conversations their their fights Mm -hmm. on screen like i am not a person that has ever watched wrestling or like been interested in it but as a child of the 90s into the early aughts like it was, as we're saying, so pervasive from a mainstream standpoint that like it would be on and I would be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this. Yeah. And I remember them fighting and mm-hmm. I remember being like totally hypnotized by it. Yeah. Uh, th- you know, you just can go watch clips of like <laughs> Austin putting a gun at his head and McMahon pissing himself. And then, you know, it's like the the like <laughs> the, the fake gun bang, like thing like like, or or beating him up in a hospital room with a bedpan like it's very looney tunes (laughs) very looney tunes-esque at its best um my god and i'll say this about vince mcmahon again and i'll give him this credit where i would never give trump uh one first 
in another world, Vince McMahon is one of our most beloved '80s bad guys character actors, like the bad, like Ronnie Cox and RoboCop. Like he, right, in another right. world, but that is Vince McMahon, and that might be actually even more than uh, as successful as he's been in the wrestling industry. His his true calling that he missed. Like you can go yeah. watch the first SNL that The Rock hosted, where in the cold open, Vince McMahon is having like a very funny one on one with uh, Lauren Michaels. And then other wrestlers come in and even compare even the rock who, you know, goes on to be a massive star compared to like their, the way that they read lines. Vince McMahon's a natural, like hmm. he is wow. so smooth at, at playing that. Um, but I will give Vince McMahon credit on this, which is very different from Donald Trump and, and his, and his offspring as well, who are also on screen presences, his, mm-hmm. you know, son, uh, Shane McMahon and, and to a lesser degree, Stephanie, who's awful, but those two guys, <laughs> they will never ask their, wrestlers and employees to do like actual dangerous physical things that they themselves are not willing to do. Vince huh. McMahon has put his body through the ringer in, in so many times Like he is willing to take he's because he's, he's like a semi pro wrestler himself and he has taken some horrific bumps in his day. He is, he has allowed his ass to be kicked on screen multiple times. And his son has taken some of the most extreme, uh, dangerous bumps in the entire company's history wow Uh, so you have to give him credit for that uh there's a story recently uh for like two wrestlemanias ago where rob gronkowski a football player Mm -hmm. uh he was like co-hosting and at one point he's supposed to jump uh from a balcony onto a bunch of wrestlers or catch him and he was worried about it he didn't want to do it so mcmahon's like oh it's nothing i'll show you and he did it like just behind the scenes so i mean the man is insane but some of that insanity is to a degree where you you do have to kind of admire it Real quick, this is how insane he is. He doesn't like people sneezing in front of him, and he 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 <laughs> refuses to admit that he's ever sneezed. He doesn't know what a burrito is, uh, <laughs> and he and he's once said that the funniest thing to him is pushing someone into a pool when they're not expecting it. So that's the mind. That's the mindset of this guy. Yeah, that's just. I mean, there's. Yeah. Oh my god. That's fantastic. That's fascinating. I've never sneezed in my life. Says <laughs> someone, Vince McMahon. Someone once saw him sneeze, and they said it was the most horrified they had ever seen another human being. Like when he sneezed in front of someone, <laughs> and just like pretended it didn't happen, and like just like if you god. ever tell anyone about this. Oh my god. <laughs> Receiving like death threats from Vince McMahon. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's a level of insanity I can't really yeah. wrap my head around. No, that's that's. Don't know else. what a burrito is. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, but so to turn it back to to Hulk Hogan here, yes. I want to I want to kind of get into I think where we are when Santa with muscles mm-hmm. comes out. Mm. Um, we already talked a little bit about this being sort of at the point at which uh, Hogan is ousted or, or 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 leaves WWF and helps form alongside Ted Turner uh, WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that that comes along here is is as you already mentioned, Zach he turns heel mm-hmm. and and takes on the persona of Hollywood yep. Hulk Hogan right. right he starts donning all black he kind of has like a dyed mm-hmm. uh black beard with this like platinum blonde like <laughs> handlebar yes. uh lots of like do rags and and sunglasses but tell me tell me a little bit about this help help set the scene here sure. Zach about like what's going on in this era of wrestling sure so this is yeah about a year or so after Hulk Hogan jumped ship to WCW they offer him a huge payday jump ship um and the first like year or so of like the hogan era wcw is not really work it's very cartoony it's it's very bad uh it's not getting a, a cultural cachet 
At the same time, two other guys from WWF uh, jump ship, which is Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, formerly Diesel and Razor Ramon um, mm, in the WWF. Right. They come in and they do an angle that is a lot more like inside knowledge, like, hey, like, kind, like, uh, oh, like referencing the other company, which up until that point, like no one was really doing like the wrestling, even to this day, WWF does not like to acknowledge that there is other promotions. You will huh. very rarely ever hear someone say like they've been doing a little more recently because the culture, they can't really ignore it. But before this, like they just pretend there's nothing else. And like, so them coming in and being like, you know who I am, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into this company to take it over. They played it like a storyline, like they might be guys from WWE coming in to like invade, uh, even though they were very mm-hmm. much not. And they 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 form this uh, this group that will become the NWO. At first, it's just them two called the Outsiders, and they're you know the storyline is them causing havoc all over the place behind the scenes. And they tease there's a third man, like we have a third member. And then one of the biggest pay per views, you know, it's the, the main event, they're beating the shit out of Macho Man Randy Savage. Here comes Hulk Hogan to save the day. Like I've had enough of this and this the you two, and like I'm gonna clean house. Drops the leg on Randy Savage to the biggest crowd reaction that you will almost ever hear in wrestling like the most outraged because the idea up to that point of hulk hogan turning heel is just unthinkable it's like a thing that could never happen hulk hogan is in the building you're damn right he is go get him hulk sir yeah but whose side is he on what are you talking about whose side is he on what are you talking about yes sir get him hogan go get him baby Come on and get some of this now. Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man. Look at this. this picture. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. And credit, credit Hogan. Man, it was it's a brilliant move. Even to this day, like you watch that, you just the energy of it is off the charts. He cuts a promo saying, like, I'm sick of you people, like I'm Hollywood Hogan, and immediately rebrands. And almost immediately, according to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who were both skeptical of the idea of bringing him in, almost kills their like new like attitude stuff because he just can't stop doing like Hulk Hogan style promos. Like, <laughs> brother, and they're just like, We're doing a new thing, we're doing this edgier, cool thing, and this guy just cannot like he's not. But they managed to find a way that it works. They're like, we just had to, you know, chop the shit out of those, like, promos and make them look cool. And it managed to work. So this is a couple months before Santa with Muscles comes out. Right. Wow. Yeah. Which is, that's part of the thing of, like, you're playing a good guy in this movie, but everyone hates you. Like, it, you know, like, kayfabe. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's a weird, it's a weird bit of angling. But at the same time, it also kind of feeds into, the, like, I'm a movie star. Even though Santa with Muscles is the last real like mainstream attempt to get Hogan over in, in a movie. He'll show up in stuff afterwards. He shows up in like the Muppets from Space. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but this is really his last like mainstream-ish. And even this I don't think was that much of a big release uh, attempt. You know, it just it didn't work um, because he's not a good actor. He's, no, he's a really he's, bad actor. He's not. <laughs> and you're you're right. I mean it, it feels so contradictory to like the brand. It kind of almost acts as sort of like a 
uh, an impediment to like what he's trying to do with this rebrand. He's a nice guy in this. He mm-hmm. starts out as kind of like this, you know, selfish, yeah, uh, Scrooge like kind of asshole, but but is ultimately like a good guy mm-hmm. once uh, once one of many bouts of amnesia occur yes. <laughs> in the movie. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very. I I was I was reminded of one of my favorite movies of the last several years, uh, which is Collateral Beauty, in the amount of just amnesia twists in this movie <laughs> and by favorite and by favorite i mean that sincerely but also recognizing that clara beauty is one of the worst movies ever made uh mm. yeah it, it strains your your levels of of uh belief mm. i think here and 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 what it can really get away with it's not trying to do anything i think particularly profound um interesting to note too I, I, when i initially came to this movie and and we started talking about it i, I found out about it because i it, it was a production that was co-executive produced by uh wolf of wall street himself jordan belfort ah. uh somebody who who helped bankroll this like one of of somewhere between like six and eight movies mm-hmm. that he helped to produce uh in the in the mid to late 90s before going to jail it's interesting to think about his hand even just financial hand behind this movie and the the sort of narrative arc of hulk hogan's character in this film being mm-hmm. like a rich asshole who's selfish and terrible and like, you know, um, has all these like rules that he follows, you know, that have helped him get ahead. Not unlike Jordan Belfort. Mm -hmm. And that this movie is all about him remembering like where he came from and like ultimately becoming a good guy. And so like, while it may not necessarily work with, Hulk Hogan's persona within the wrestling world outside of the context of this movie, I couldn't help but think about the fact that like that's Jordan Belfort, mm-hmm. like wanting to tell <laughs> his story. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely an element of that uh, to the, to the story here. Um, and Zach, you're, you're right. I, I don't know what the figure is for what this movie costs. Mm-hmm. I just assume that with the, with the people involved and there are a handful of like recognizable people, yes. here. you know, Ed Bagley jr. Plays the villain. Clint Howard is in it briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, even, uh, Don Stark who, who, uh, played Donna's dad on that 70s show it's later dri- on driving me crazy where I recognize that guy from the entire movie. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, I didn't look it up is. right away. Cause I was like, I'll figure it out. And then I, I ended up looking up. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's who it is. I'm sure sure not a, a you know, a, a big name actor and, and you know, not even relatively recognizable until later on when he would reunite with Mila Kunis, who is also in this oh, movie. Yes, in that this is movie. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're, yes. Yeah. Maybe the same casting director. Who knows? Know. Uh, yeah. But the the film only played for a handful of weeks in like late November to early December in uh, a select few limited cinemas. Uh, I think it it gr- netted something like two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in all. Um, so this was not you know someone angling for a cash grab here. Or if they were, it was a a horrible miscalculation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it certainly does feel like like there's a little bit of, of Belfort's hand here in terms of the kind of story it's telling and this idea yeah. of like, you know, sort of a vanity project mm-hmm. that he wants to complete. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find what the, the budget was for this. I mean, it looks like shit. So it's it does, it does indeed. With, yeah. With the exception of one shot, which is the same is the case with every movie I watch pre digital era. Hmm. <laughs> no matter how shitty they yeah. are there's still one shot usually and stuff that's like you know that's better than like almost anything i've seen in movies this year which is when yeah. they're in the they're fighting in the tower 
and like the camera's kind of moving around like yes pretty good shot if that showed up in a movie today i'd be like that's a good shot Uh, you know one perfect (laughs) shot would put that shit on their uh twitter feed Uh, and on the new hbo series ava duvernay would probably (laughs) uh mention it and and talk about that shot influencing her work um but no i i I remarked upon the same one like it's a pretty fascinating kind of yeah like 360 view Mm -hmm. of the bell tower where they're fighting of course ruined by the fact that they're fighting for some inexplicable yes. reason behind uh, like a robot Santa statue yeah. obscuring every bit of the fighting. Mm-hmm. You can just sort of see these two, uh, these two silhouettes duking yes. it out, but, yeah. <laughs> but they go for it. They do. Mm-hmm. They do try a little bit here. Yes. Um, I don't I don't know if you also caught the, the brief Godfather reference um, where uh, Hogan wakes up back at his mansion after, uh, after falling <laughs> from that bell tower and he wakes up from uh, from a dream and assumes that he's just imagined his time at the orphanage as Santa and uh, and pulls open the sheets of his bed to find that he's in the Santa costume and, and screams. Mm-hmm. And then we pull out and we just see the outside of the mansion <laughs> yes. and hear his scream, much oh like much like the horse head. I didn't wow. put, from that I film. didn't put that together. At the, uh, when I watched it, that is pretty good. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. You you got to get a little ambitious with it, I guess, when yeah. you're doing this. But um, I, I had watched part of the film on my own before before we made an attempt to watch it together. I tried to relay the plot up to the midpoint where I had reached, and found myself sounding like an insane person. It is very much an and then and then and mm-hmm. then kind of story, um, and it it's it's completely nonsensical. So rather than Zach, make you attempt to <laughs> synopsize this movie in brief. I think what we're going to do is just go through some of the the points of this movie and tell it together here as best we can, um, and offer some of our readings and interpretations of this uh, of this important cultural artifact. Yes. Okay, that sounds good. I have never seen the Red Shoes. I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I watched this one, but I watched. <laughs> We can just do a round table and name all the ones that we've never seen before like that. Um, oh my God, that breaks my heart. I'm trying to think of, of important ones that I haven't seen. No, let's not. That's going to be very depressing. Really, really bleak. <laughs> I don't really know what there is to talk about, honestly. I think the thing that I found myself thinking about in watching this movie was like, you have to have a certain amount of charisma and presence i think to be successful in the world of wrestling right um Mm -hmm. and he certainly was and so it was so bizarre to me to see him on screen like doing this sort of weird quiet like he has amnesia but that's not what that's not like what was uh, awkward to me about his performance. I just, I found him to be like a black hole on screen. Like he just, like it takes, everything gets sucked out. And it's, it's a shame because like he's, you know, a good looking guy and he's a formidable presence in terms of like his size. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking about him just like, you know, guzzling a microphone, like on a stage, I'm thinking about that Hulk Hogan Mm -hmm. and like watching him in this movie. And it's, it's strange. And I don't, maybe you can shed some more light on like, you know, you mentioned the sort of inertia that we experience watching him in this film is not unlike his fights. Talk more about that because I don't remember him that way. 
No, and on the mic, I mean, yeah, you have to give him credit. Uh, he's always been better on the mic than in the ring. Right. Uh, you know, and his whole thing was that he's like every wrestler at the time, but his was, you know, they all had different versions of it. That They're crazy. They're like these big, crazy, like brother and blah, 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 like just loud, like semi trucks of human beings. And, uh, <laughs> you know, his wrestling matches were always just very slow and lots of bear hugs and. Mm, lots of rest okay. periods and holds and you know like his most famous uh matches with andre the giant where he you know body slams him which at the time had been done plenty before but had it been done on like a big televised thing so they played it up like no one could ever do it even though people had done it throughout the wrestling all the time mm-hmm. uh but you know that should tell you kind of like what his his matches are like like that's his biggest mm. you know that's like when people remember Shawn michaels or the undertaker or bret hart or even austin and the rock you know, but you remember all those guys, you'll remember like it like these insane like, you know, moves that they do and stuff. And Hogan, you know, his finisher was a leg drop. Uh and you know <laughs> which credit is actually more painful than, you know, you might look. It destroyed his back from doing it so much. Uh, wow. But it's still like, you know, he 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 was he's never a dynamic in ring performer. You know, he's got a body slam as his biggest moment. Um Yeah. So That's it's interesting. Yeah, it's weird that like he's you know, but he would do this thing in 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 the ring, which he never does in this movie. Even when he decides to like kick ass at the end, which is he would Hulk, he would Hulk out, uh, which right. is he would right. he would start getting his stamina and like you know do this like shaking thing and shake the ropes and like you know the crowd would get behind him and uh, you know his best match ever was uh, at WrestleMania against The Rock, where uh, he he starts out as the bad guy and it's his first match back in WWE in ten years and the crowd just decides to get behind him. So in the middle of it, like when he starts hulking up, like the rock realizes it and they wordlessly like give each other a look of like, okay, we're switching. You're the good guy. Now I'm the bad guy. And it's really oh, energetic. Wow. You feel it. That is by far Hulk Hogan's best match of all time. Um, huh. And like, wow. you just, like, why, why don't you do that in the movie? Like you're so in, he's <laughs> such know. a like, yeah, inert presence. And he never yeah. has that. Like, okay, now I'm going to like Hulk the fuck out and kick some ass. Like, it's a really weird choice uh, that he does. I wonder if it's partly because he they give him a wig, like he doesn't even look like they Hulk do. Hogan. He's, they he's give him too a piece, paid up. yeah. Uh, he's too paid which is the thing up, of like man. I don't know, man. His his power comes from the skullet. Like you got to have him with the skullet. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's not, yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, that's totally fair. Then you're right. They do not live, give him a chance to Hulk out in no. this movie. Um, getting getting right into it because I think it'll be better if we get through it Just together. Rip, here. Like a bandaid, like a bandaid, we're gonna rip it off. Uh, the the movie starts with one Hulk Hogan playing a conceited millionaire named Blake Thorne, uh, and he seems to have uh, gained his wealth through peddling uh, various bodybuilding supplements, and they vary. There is protein powder. It seems like there's also some sort of like nut butters. Um, at one point, they mentioned that there's a salad oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, that he, that he, he uses. had, um, if I remember correctly, he had products himself like yes. this. Like, didn't he have a, he had a supplement product. And I think I remember bars also. Yeah, there were Hulk Hogan bars. Uh, I'm sure he had supplement stuff. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, he definitely had, did. Um, can't remember what his main thing that he peddled was though. Like at the time I associated it with like Macho Man had Slim Jim's. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I definitely remember Jack Link's him, beef jerky. I'm, I definitely remember him having like a consumer packaged goods, particularly mm-hmm. within the fitness realm yeah. presence. And it's interesting that it's mirrored in this 
in this movie. It's mm-hmm. like protein powder, salad dressing, right? right. It's not like yeah. candy bars. It's, or it's more of like a, a Newman's own kind of thing, yeah. except it gives nothing no, to charity. It's not. Uh, it's not. <laughs> but it, they also don't really explain how or why his particular brand got uh, got popular, but he is the face of it. And at the beginning of this this film, he's complaining to his uh, many uh, service staff members uh, that his his photo on the the containers isn't big enough. He needs to be featured more prominently on it. He also uh, uses his his various staff, his personal chef, his butler, uh, his driver as sort of practice dummies so that he can hone his martial arts skills. Yeah. Total rip off of the Pink Panther. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, you're right. It is big time Pink Panther. I didn't yeah. even think about that. And it doesn't really work either. In, in this <laughs> no. movie. I mean, not that it not that any of this movie works, but it's just like so weird that, you know, he's he's fighting everybody and at the very end they sort of encircle and confront him, even like the gardener holding a a weed whacker up to his throat. <laughs> uh, but we're also introduced here to not unlike the Four Demandments, a series of Blake rules, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which are are all just sort of they're they're pablum, right? They're they're all just these um, weird, idiosyncratic, very vapid sort of sayings. One of them that he thinks he invents is "never mix business with pleasure," which becomes <laughs> like uh, Blake rule number three eighty six. Mm-hmm. Other Blake rules include "never give an inch, especially when you can take one." Mm-hmm. And also, never lend a hand. You might need it later. I mean, that all sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's and that's who the man is. He also has one: "When in doubt, get out," uh, which he uses later on here. So as the as the film progresses, uh, Blake is is playing a game of paintball with some boys. I really don't think we need to explain how. No, got, no. How he becomes he's like he gets in an accident. He thinks he he's, he wakes up. He thinks he's Santa because mm. some guys trying to con him out of his money. The yeah. end. Like, although he is, yeah, you should well, mention yes. that he is. He gets in a in a in a like demolition derby uh, chase with the cops, played by Clint Howard. Right. Uh, who I is always nice to see, and he gets a, he gets one funny line later about like being in Desert Storm. Uh, yes. <laughs> that uh, is a really good line and i will say that the closest i ever came to being engaged by the movie is during those scenes they they're not well done or anything but i'm a sucker for you know the hero uh getting in police chases with you know dopey cops or smoky and the bandit <laughs> is like maybe my favorite movie ever it's i love, right. I, love I love burt reynolds and you know, it's 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 always good to see. Also, like, yeah, I don't know. Santa with muscle says a cab, so you know you got to respect him. Yes, one hundred percent, totally. They, he he, does. he dodges cops all the time. He's shooting paint at at <laughs> cop windshields. Um, he's you know he's dodging bazooka rockets that cops get blown <laughs> yeah, up. Like cops have a he bazooka. Is, yeah. that. <laughs> he he big time says a cab in yeah. this. Um, so yes, as Carly alluded to, he's he's being pursued to a mall uh, where he falls down a trash chute, uh, gets hit in the head. Um, has disguised himself at this point in a Santa costume. And so Don Stark, who plays Lenny, a, a mall elf, decides... Um, Lenny, the, the Guido mall elf. Yes, whose who's elf <laughs> costume is really just like a, like a velour track suit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like spread collar and all. He's got the chains and like the thumb rings and shit. Um, and, and so Lenny decides, you know, having, having recognized this person as Blake Thorne from his wallet and the, the gob of cash in there, that he's going to figure out a way to uh, extract the necessary information or, or a thumbprint so that he can use the ATM. Because the ATMs in this mm-hmm. movie, for some inexplicable reason, have a thumb 
scanner, a fingerprint scanner. Yes, and very you can't very, pull money out without. No, very very um, prescient in there. Uh, <laughs> right, technology yes. in this. That's right. Surveillance state uh, capitalism leeching into into Santa with muscles here. But I totally feel like it's only because if it were reflecting like the real world circumstances, the movie would be over in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like the Lenny would have just stolen his credit card yeah. and been like, I'm going to take your money. Yes. But instead he has to stick with him for the entire time so we can get close enough to get his thumbprint. Right. Mm-hmm. To get more money. Exactly. Uh, during the same time, we're introduced to the villain of the program uh played by ed begley jr what a guy whose name is uh ebner frost i'm sure some sort of uh weird amalgam of ebenezer scrooge and jack frost here um and he is some sort of mad scientist he is surrounded by other uh mad scientists as well he has like a doctor sort of henchman sidekick and then a group of like three just zany scientists i don't yeah they, 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 they're 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 just sort of, of specters of, of characters here one's a geologist mm-hmm. one is a chemist and then the girl is just has lightning in her hands yeah she, she's she's listed as a scientist but she doesn't have any sort of credentials and they don't bother to give her any i think they might not even like refer to her as a doctor because it's the 90s and you know girls can't do stem That's jobs true. yeah um, and his whole big plot is that he's trying to extort a bunch of businesses and seize up all this ground um, for reasons at the moment unknown. Hulk Hogan, Blake, takes on this this mantle of Santa because he has amnesia from his fall. Uh, and this is where the movie that's already sticky gets even stickier. Uh, Zach, I, I want to hear your perspective on this. What the fuck is going on here? Does he actually believe he's the real Santa? Or is he just unaware of who he is and decides to play along with the assertion that he is a mall Santa. Because yeah, it, it goes back and forth a lot. It's really confusing. He seems confused yes. by it. Because uh, he'll, yeah, he, he just has no, like one scene he'll be like, well, who's gonna, I have to be Santa. I gotta go back to the North Pole, I guess. And then the next one, like he's got taken off the beard and he's like, I guess I'm not really Santa. I don't, it's very, it's very sloppy and very confusing. <laughs> Um, he, he never really questions his identity very much. He, there's there's like a void at the middle of it, which is emblematic of the entire film, which is like, I don't really know who I am. Um, I know I'm not Santa, but he never goes further than that to ever interrogate like exactly what or who he is at any certain point. It's like whatever's expedient relative in relative terms mm-hmm. to whatever situation they're in. It's like there are a couple moments where he is acting as if he believes he's Santa, actually Santa, and that he knows enough about the cultural Mm -hmm. figure of Santa to know, like, I need to have reindeer. I live in the North Pole. I have a Mrs. Claus. He's aware of Santa mythology. Mm -hmm. And then there are times when he acts as if he knows Santa isn't real and that he is just a mall Santa, but then, to your point, does not wonder, like, who is this person playing the the person behind the mall Santa. Right. That was the most irksome thing uh, of all about this movie in a movie that is full of irksome things. I was just like, I just want to understand what he knows and doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, like, like all the best Marvel movies, this is really a meditation on Mm -hmm. identity, grief and loss, you know? (laughs) Um, So this is, this is right up there in that canon of, I mean, you know, Santa with muscles could be 
uh, a cultural figure uh, on par with with Spider-Man and and uh, Doctor Strange if he really wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm also confused by the like Lenny also knows Frost and owes him money like he's a bookie. Yeah, or something. Right. I never, have no idea. <laughs> they never explain it. Yeah. He's like so, like they, they kind of give him like this weird like card sharp, you know, or like a guy who's like in gambling debt. Yeah. Uh, but but never explain why he would owe all this money to Frost, who's yeah. like a, a, a scientist and just kind of like an evil uh, eccentric millionaire kind of yeah. character. Well, and they also imply if I remember correctly, and I only watched like a fourth of this movie. <laughs> um <laughs> I also remember like a few scenes where it's it's implied that Lenny is doing the bidding of Ebner Frost, like not yes. only to pay him back, but also because like Frost has like planted him there, I think, to like, oh, now that you're like in with this guy, mm-hmm. I need you to help us like put the squeeze on him. Yeah, yeah. They, they pick him up a couple of times and like threaten him and right. say like you you need to get him out of there because I need that orphanage. And he never does anything to actually aid them. You know, he may like try to persuade uh Hogan to to leave the the orphanage at, at a couple of different points, but he never does anything outright uh villainous, yeah. you know. Um, but they give him credit at the end when they show up and they're like, hey, thanks, uh, Lenny, for for helping us out. Let's talk about the ending because I want to talk more about Hulk Hogan and wrestling. Let's do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll rush through this here. So uh, Hogan foils a robbery at the mall uh, and is some for some reason compelled to go to this orphanage uh, where most of the rest of the movie takes place. Um, he meets the kids there, one of them played by a very young Mila Kunis, as we mentioned, and uh, seems to have this this familiarity with the orphanage. He can't quite remember why, but everything seems familiar. Uh, the the people who run the orphanage, specifically one of the, the older gentlemen, a black gentleman named Clayton, seems to know him pretty well and alludes to the who fact that he's experienced SNL. it. Yes, he's the he uh, original cast member. Um, God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Garrett... Uh, Garrett, Garrett something. something yeah. I, looked him up last I should night. know this. Well, he's 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 a pretty he's a pretty big figure in like seventies yeah. comedy. So he winds up Garrett at this, Morris. Garrett Morris. Morris. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> so so he eventually winds up uh, at this orphanage. These kids are the leftovers. Most of the other ones have already been given away. These kids are are really shit kids. They they can't find them homes. No one wants to take them. Uh, and they keep getting terrorized by Ebner Frost and his goons who are trying to get them to leave. We find out that this is because there is uh, a series of catacombs under the orphanage that uh, are full of of crystals. Uh, we, we eventually like open up this this safe. Hulk Hogan knows the last of the four digits to open the safe, which is not explained at the time, but hmm, mm-hmm. keeps alluding to the fact that maybe he's familiar with this orphanage. Um, anyway, these crystals apparently give off a bunch of electricity and power. They seem to be the reason that Ebner uh scrooge ebner frost wants the orphanage man this is really a slog to even like talk about (laughs) let's just how does it end (laughs) at the end of this we uh after a brief moment where uh, things are are reconciled psychologically within hulk hogan where he remembers that he's actually this millionaire uh but still wants to be santa to these kids Mm -hmm. comes back saves the day fights the bad guys uh the crystals end up blowing up the orphanage and the film ends with uh hogan with blake thorne deciding all the orphans 
can come live with me at my mansion. Yeah. He he learns to be more Santa-ly over the course of the movie. He starts to follow Santa rules, as it were, in direct opposition mm. to his Blake rules. Yeah. Um, and more in line with the with the four demandments. Okay, yeah. Zach, also... what's another movie you haven't seen? <laughs> uh... Uh, I've never seen Metropolis. So Okay, there okay. you go. Never I'm really sorry. Yeah. But seen, but seen Santa <laughs> I'm with really muscles. sorry. <laughs> um yeah, there's also the revelation too, though, that like, yes, he's he grew up in the orphanage, which for some reason he doesn't remember. That's never explained why he doesn't remember that, but right. also that he used to be best friends with uh, Ed Begley Jr.'s villain character, right? So who also doesn't remember for some reason him until yeah. he like calls him by his childhood nickname. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yes, now I recognize who you are. Yeah. Um. There, there's a lot of amnesia going on mm-hmm. here. Lots of people. Lots of repressed memory. Uh, happening within the movie. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Hulk Hogan was Hollywood Hulk, right? Yes. Uh, he had just turned like a couple months just ago. Just turned. Yes. By the time okay. this is released. Although by the time they're filming it, he wouldn't have been. Okay. So that was my question, actually. Um, because I, I, like, I was thinking about his evolution, the evolution of his character within the world of wrestling um, and, and moving over to the WCW and was like trying to think like, what was when this project came about like was the motivation for him that he maybe did want to sort of like move more into this space like really hammer home that he's the good guy like I just was trying to understand one like his decision for doing this outside of money which I'm sure was Mm -hmm. the main factor but in terms of a brand right and then also the question I asked Aaron which I want to ask you Zach which is who is this movie for yeah Um, so I don't think, I don't think there was really that much thought put into what the larger brand was going to be. I'm not sure exactly the timeline of Hogan and WCW deciding to pull that heel turn. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it would have been a thing that was like months in advance planning. Right. You, You will see that's called, this is called booking in wrestling when there's an angle or a story, uh, or just a match, like you book it that you 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 write it out you plan it out um and there are cases of long-term story booking um you see that now with AEW is doing it like just fantastically you would see that uh beforehand in the old territory days there was a lot of that but at the time at this time you weren't really seeing that and especially in wcw was notorious mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that they they folded is there's a lot of reasons that they folded but their booking was like arguably the worst that has ever been seen in wrestling. Hogan is largely responsible for that because here's the thing with Hogan as a wrestler. He is known as one of, if not the most notorious uh, uh, politickers. And that's another term in wrestling, which is when you maneuver behind the scenes in order to get yourself over. Um, Hmm. So later in WCW, he does a lot of that to the point where he has an infamous segment Known as the oh god, this sounds <laughs> the finger poke of doom, where he comes in. He's yeah. supposed to wrestle his former teammate group stable. Like by this point, the NWO is just involved. They got him like dozens of members. They've splintered off into different factions. It's unwatchable garbage. Uh, Kevin Nash is the champion. They're supposed to reteam, so they do this angle where they're going to have a match. Hogan pokes Nash on the chest. Nash falls down and lets him take the pin and cover and champion. It's supposed to be this big twist. Everyone boos it. Afterwards, Hogan comes back on, unscripted, 
and says like, or may, no one's really sure how scripted this is, but it goes off script. And Hogan says like, this is bullshit. I don't like this. This sucks. And like, I like the, the I, I I'm quitting leaves. Then the, the main writer of the show, the main booker, a guy named Vince Russo, who is largely responsible for a lot of the stuff at WWE attitude era that was popular, but then has since become like notoriously the worst booker of all time. He he becomes a character because he has to be on front of camera. He comes out and he does this thing where he just tears Hogan down. He's like, he's a, the biggest piece of shit. He'll never work in this company again. And they ended up in a big like lawsuit uh, with Hogan, which nice. So Hogan and lawsuits is a is a big thing. Um, it really yeah, is. Yeah, he's a very it's, litigious this, person. This is not his first or his last uh, big lawsuit. Uh, anyway, that's one of the big. That's one of the moments where like you know one of the, the things of like this is how bad WCW is. This company is circling the drain. It's interesting to hear you paint a picture of Hogan, of Hogan that is like extremely. It sounds like impulsive, and and um and egomaniacal sure but also just like like not necessarily i'm i'm starting to understand that he's maybe not necessarily like a very capable businessman right like well it's just the thing of like him and and the problem with wcw was there were like a lot of guys like this like nash was very much like this at the time and other bookers but like i have to be the top guy right i have to like you know my angles have to be the, the top so I'm going to politic my way through it. And, you know, it, it was a big thing that just crashed that company to the ground. There are guys in WWE that did that too, but there's always been McMahon at the helm. Whereas WCW at this time was going through all these different changes behind the scenes too. You know, they were firing writers right. and hiring them. And I think Turner had pretty much backed away at that point. And uh, mm. yeah, so H- Hogan is, you know, largely one of the, one of the people responsible for like driving that company into the ground. Um, but and yeah, it is impulsive in that it just kills any sort of like long-term storytelling booking, which is one of the big draws for wrestling. Uh, right. Is the storytelling. So when it's just this giant mess. So all of that is to say that I don't think that there was any like months in advance necessarily planning of that that heel turn that he did. So mm-hmm. I don't think when he's signing up for like a movie like this, he's really thinking on a larger right. brand thing. Um, that yeah. makes sense. Maybe a little later after, because when he shows up in Muppets in Space, uh, he does show up as Hollywood Hogan, and he makes a pretty funny yes. in joke of he's like, "I'm a bad guy now," and like beats up Gonzo or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so I, I think that one that. Is, was maybe a little <laughs> bit more planned uh, than than this. But I, I don't think that there's any sort of bigger picture thinking. Yeah, of, of that makes him. sense. And I mean, it, it was just to say, it speaks to like. You know, he's never, he was, he never, he was never successful as a movie star. I don't know how well Suburban Commando did. I feel like that's probably the biggest of his movies. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember yeah. seeing that in the theater. Mr. Nanny probably did okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. But like none of these, none of these were break, breakout hits, breakthrough hits. And yet he kept trying to do the same thing. He did the kid movies. Weirdly enough, it ends up working with Cena and the, and, and the Rock later. They start yeah. off doing yeah. those shitty kid movies and eventually make the jump into bigger stuff. So it weirdly worked with them. I think that's, it's just because they're both much more talented. If they're not Extremely. great actors, they have a screen screen presence at Hogan. Yeah. They're, they're much more charismatic. They're charismatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're also, you're answering my question. And I, I think I agree with you because when I was watching this and I asked Aaron, you know, genuinely like, who is this movie for? Like, it doesn't even seem like 
young boys who are wrestling fans would like this movie. But I guess like in sort of putting all of what you're saying together, I'm realizing that it is really for his like child, Mm -hmm. his like kid audience. And that like, they don't necessarily care about whatever the plot is. They just want to see Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah, but it also doesn't even really deliver on that front. No, like that's we said, true. Like he doesn't yeah. get to Hulk out. He doesn't get to like really fight many people in any interesting ways. Like he like he duct tapes somebody, like, yeah. and that's how he beats him. Like yeah. he like he he puts stink gas in his right. in his suit and duct tapes it shut. Like that. I that's, did watch that part. That's what we get in this yeah. in this movie. You know, yeah, there's really no wrestling moves which they always try to throw in when there's like wrestlers on screen. I will say, I think I I, I maybe I didn't set up enough of that by this point. This is when the attitude error is starting, but mm-hmm. up between, okay. but, but prior to that, you have the older wrestling fans who are always there. But for the last several years, really since from the golden age, but especially this period, this new um, in WWE, it was called the 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 new generation. It was very kid oriented. So you have wrestling. This is this is when people think of like the wrestler gimmicks of like he's a plumber, you know, like oh the plumber's right. coming and like. <laughs> or like, you know, like he's the tax man and he's the, like, that's the new, that's the new, uh, uh, generation era where the idea was silly characters, silly gimmicks for some okay. reason, like treat them like Legos where they have jobs. Like there's a repo man <laughs> character <laughs> who, who they dress as like a burglar. They don't, you don't see, and it's, I'm sure Vince McMahon has never had anything repoed. So that explains no, it. But he like, for no, sure it's not it. a, why is he dressed like a, but it's not what repo men do. But anyway. Um, so yeah, I think the, 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 the idea at this point is that wrestling is for little kids. And so that explains. Well, then that makes a ton of sense that they would put mm-hmm. him in this again. Santa is a very, you know, known cultural figure, mm-hmm. right? Like a, like a plumber or a, I mean, not like, but you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a recognizable costume. It makes sense then that this would be the underlying conceit for yeah. this entire film yeah definitely yeah and he, at the time you know he's seeing like action stars do this as well right yeah. like I, I i think about arnold doing stuff like kindergarten cop mm-hmm. at this right. point as well yeah, right and so you know like thinking like oh i can i can do that turn like that's that's yeah. something that i can i can also do mm-hmm. to to capitalize on but mm-hmm. i mean compared to to hogan in this movie i feel like Ar- arnold is He's like Brando. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's just so much more charismatic and interesting. Yeah. I mean, also, at the time, this before the NWO stuff, Hogan in WCW is doing a thing where he's fighting like a group of magic evil people called the Dungeon of Doom. (laughs) You should go watch. There's a really funny, like one of the most just unintentionally hilarious, so bad it's good promos ever is. It's not even a promo. It's like a backstage segment that's shot like a horror movie where Hogan's in the Dungeon of Doom and he's just like talking to himself. And it's so fun. he's like and it's just nonsensical things he's saying. Like he's like, what is this place? I've never been here before. And then like oh. getting spooked by like a like giant spider or something that jumps out. <laughs> it's a really funny word. It's just, like a like a, gr- a fountain of like green water like covered in like you know dry ice and mist and he drinks from it for some reason and he goes ah it's not warm i don't Uh, (laughs) it's just the weirdest i don't know so at this point in hogan's career when they're making this movie he's he's really at like probably the at this point in his career the nadir of 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 his of his of his 
star in WWE. He will hit lower lows <laughs> later on, but hmm. this is. But he's also about to hit arguably the highest high since those like golden days when he does the hmm. heel turn. Santa Claus, are you? No, I'm not. I just thought I was for a while. My name's Blake Thorne. You're not Santa. You're better. <laughs> we have an operation to carry out. You guys with me? Yeah! Come on, Where are the others? Science geeks to go upstairs. Okay, let's try to find them, but let's stay together. Okay. Transitioning to something that's in... Uh, a more modern era of, of Hogan's career. This, this being bankrolled by rich assholes does not seem to end with McMahon or Belfort. No. Um, because it, later on, there is a, a controversy that I think still has ramifications as it pertains to uh, free speech and, and the news and newsworthiness. Um, and also because uh, we uh, have some, some folks on our show on occasion who now write for the publication in its newest iteration, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, uh, Bolia versus, uh, Gawker, mm-hmm. which occurred in, if I remember correctly, it was finally settled in 2016. Um, but, but this is, this is the, the event that basically bankrupted the original iteration of Gawker as a publication, which of course at the time I think was compared to this newer version of it, much more brash, Mm -hmm. a lot more built around kind of flaunting the rules and, and being a little bit tasteless in the way that it was, you know, kind of floating rumors and then finding confirmations Mm -hmm. of it or, or throwing things into the public conversation in order for uh, other real journalists to then confirm or deny those accusations and claims. So it was definitely, it was definitely tiptoeing a line near sort of like this, this libel, but doing it in a way that was careful of like journalistic standards and malpractice. The story goes to, to, to tell it in short that, uh, Hogan is is best friends with a radio shock jock known as Bubba the Love Sponge. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Hogan's uh, marriage is dissipating. He's very much at odds, very close to, to a divorce, and goes uh, over to, to Bubba's house to, to be consoled. And Bubba, being... Uh, you know, a a man of kindness and of compassion and seeing his friend struggling decides that the best way to do this is to let Hulk have sex with his wife. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, you know, Hogan being uh, one of these politickers, like we talked about being, you know, maybe not being the best at, uh, at, at programming things, but, but at least at, at, at seeing possible outcomes and being a rich guy at this point asks the question that many would ask in this scenario, which is, uh, you're not going to tape it, are you? Bubba the Love Sponge says, of course not. Absolutely not. Uh, well, Bubba was lying. So <laughs> so, so uh, Bubba has a, a videotape of Hogan fucking his wife. I did not know that that's how the sex tape came about. Yes. That is, that <laughs> is the origins of it. I didn't know that it was like it. palliative care for his like divorce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, depression. Just, just dudes rocking, guys being guys and sharing wives. Um, so, so, I mean, e- even more interesting is that like this thing was not leaked by Bubba. Like this was not like him getting off the, as the story goes. And, and I think confirmed by FBI reports and investigative journalism, what have you, uh, the reason that these videotapes ever made it to Gawker and were, were publicized, uh, was because of another shock jock who was a rival in the Florida area trying to fuck over Bubba. And so he apparently broke into his home and knew that he had this videotape or this, this copy, this disc of this video stored near his desk, stole it and leaked it. 
to the press. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting story. There's a lot of like layers to it here. Um, but but where the where the rich asshole gets involved is is essentially this. So Hulk files suit. Uh, you know, claims a lot of of harm and 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 many different counts. In a normal request like this, what you would want to do uh, as a publication or as a, a a journalist, if you want to call Nick Denton and and Gawker at all, that um, is draw this this proceeding out for a really long time to exhaust Hogan's resources, make him a little bit afraid to be losing a lot of money, mm-hmm. and eventually get him to settle. What they didn't know at the time is that uh, our good friend uh, Peter Thiel had a, a vendetta against Gawker uh, because of a story published years earlier, somewhere around 2007, 2008, that publicly outed him, right. who was already an openly gay man, but also apparently a, a pretty private person. You know, This was not a shock to any of his friends or family, um, but he felt... Uh, felt wronged mm-hmm. <laughs> by by uh, Gawker. So he decides to use his limitless resources to help Hogan win his lawsuits. Um, and uh, so bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly bizarre story. Mm-hmm. But it, and it all comes too late. I think that that Denton and, and the team at Gawker finally realize what's happening um, and end up declaring bankruptcy. Uh, so, and you know, like Hogan eventually wins this lawsuit. There's a settlement outside of court, but the original lawsuit was like uh, nine figures. It was like a hundred million dollar lawsuit. Um, so so it brings up a lot of, you know, kind of like frightening implications about the world that we live in, in which someone with unlimited resources, in which, in which someone can amass a level of wealth possible to just tank a news source Mm -hmm. that they, that they find, uh, distasteful. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because Hogan is not without his merit in this lawsuit Mm -hmm. like i don't think that he's necessarily in the wrong for bringing the lawsuit here he was right yeah like there is some sympathy although it should also be noted and i believe this is the same case i get confused sometimes with these that (laughs) that video also includes a post-coital conversation with bubba the love sponge wife unless i'm thinking of a different video that got leaked uh, no, I, I think that it's you're insane. right. I, I've not seen the video, but I've I, there are some uh, Google image yes. searches that show like some subtitled conversations. Yeah. What's the okay, conversation? So this is actually more than the sex tape is not what damn it was not the biggest story of the tape. The bigger story was that after the sex, he is is ranting to her about a lot of different things, including being like, oh, I ate too much sushi. And like, he's like full of gas and stuff. But there's one part where he talks about his awful daughter. Brooke Hogan, yeah. who at this point, Brooke. you know, she's she. There's a reality TV shows about them and stuff, right? right. Yes. About how they're on the outs because she's engaged to or dating a black man, and Hogan right. lets fly with the uh, N word quite a bit, yeah. revealing himself to be uh, a racist. Uh, which for all the stuff that Hogan, uh, you know, up to the, I think at this point, like you know, the, he's got phone calls that have leaked about him threatening to murder his ex-wife and right you know his son has killed someone in a dui maybe and like there's all this, like at this point hogan is no longer a beloved cultural figure he is very much a like just grotesque person who everyone realizes is a real piece of shit but i don't think up to that point anyone had been like oh yeah he's also a known racist uh right. so that's and that and because of that wwe is forced to cut ties with him they remove him from the hall of fame uh, it's not until it wasn't until about two years ago that they decided to bring him back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after he had done real half-assed apology 
tours. Uh, and this is not pie. This still remains unpopular with a large section of the fans remains unpopular with most of their, uh, some of their black employees. Some of them have, you know, done the, done the, done the, like we, we forgive him all for forgotten and forgiven, uh, part of the face but like arguably their most popular uh three uh baby faces in the in wwe the members of the new day they they've been very vocal uh about how they're not happy that hogan has come back in they are they are so they are so popular that they have the ability to say that they have the ability to come out and criticize the company's decision Mm. most of the other wrestlers don't have that uh ability yeah um but yeah, so there's there's that angle to it, which you know makes it even more messy and stuff. But uh, I think even all that said, as awful as Hogan is, I, I think you know he he has a case there. But the way that it then Thiel gets attached to it, Teal gets attached yes. to it, and you know the larger implications of it and the way it's done makes it very much a case where like if you got to take a side on it, you should probably take Gawker's side, and obviously, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the way it initially seems, you know, and, and, uh, from some, some minor research into this from the side of Denton and, and, uh, Hogan both, it seems like they were prepared to prolong the lawsuit with the ultimate goal of just reaching an out of court settlement, Mm -hmm. having it never get to like a, 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 a jury or a trial and just, you know, pay, pay him whatever he, he, needs at this point or asks for as long as it's not exorbitant and they can handle it and move on with their lives mm-hmm. um of, of course that just that doesn't end up happening because there's this uh this shadow hand sort of guiding everything with massive amounts of resources and, and more money than than most people can comprehend mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean it you, you do wind up kind of on the side of of Gawker in this story <laughs> as all of a sudden, like the kind of unknown underdog. And I think you're right. You know, like uh, Hogan did not know that the video was being made. He didn't know that it was being kept. Um, cer- certainly, you know, uh, damaging to, to him to know that this thing exists in a moment that he assumed was consensual between two people and completely private. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's, I don't know if there's any good guys here <laughs> in this story, but, yeah. but uh it's 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 easy to see that like the the real bad guy is actually just like the billionaire with like a chip on his shoulder deciding to to fuck a bunch of people over and destroy something mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was this Hogan's last lawsuit? I went asking this because I feel like it probably wasn't. <laughs> who knows? At this point. Oh God, who even knows? Yeah. Um, I know he was involved in some lawsuits with I think for a minute him and a bunch of people that were like that WCW. Uh, they jumped after the company folded. They they were involved in a promotion called TNA, uh, TNA, <laughs> which officially stood for Total Nonstop Action, but which we all uh, which we uh, all TNA is a weird, TNA is a weird case because it 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 it, it was like the started as like we're gonna we're gonna bring back competition to WWE. Never got close to that. Uh, was often just saw some of the worst just storytelling and bullshit a lot of it because at some point they brought hogan and some other wcw people in they nearly drove the company bankrupt there, there might be a lawsuit there uh but what's interesting about tna is that for, they've near they've been on death's door so many times and they've rebranded several times uh to where the version a version of them still exists today uh that is actually doing pretty good pretty good work um what? and wow. for as awful okay. as they could be they introduced <sighs> some of the some of the best wrestlers of the generation 
uh, worked there for a minute. So, you know, it's a, it's a whole weird thing. But I feel like Hogan might have had a lawsuit going with them, although I'm not sure. Why He's, not? Yeah, he certainly <laughs> almost destroyed them again. So He likes to sue people. Yeah. He's he apparently does. got the resources to do it and probably still has a relatively good relationship with, with our buddy Peter. Mm. I just have to say, like, I find him to be a fascinating figure Mm -hmm. i think he's he's so representative of so many different different arcs of neoliberal society in america over the last you know in the 80s and 90s in particular but even stretching into the early aughts with his reality tv show Mm -hmm. like he just has so many there are so many elements to his life and his personality that seem to very directly reflect back to us uh a certain moment in time in our society. And I just, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. He's one of those figures. that's just all like you, you, you think he's done in terms of having any cultural impact, but he always, he, he generally like every few years, every, every de- once a decade or so, like he manages to <laughs> come back to the, come back to the fore. Uh, he's a fascinating character and, you know, I'm not a big fan of those like Scorsese esque, uh, movies about like the rise and fall of like notorious figures that we've been getting you know, like the Tanya Harding movie right. or like American right. movie. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. a fan of those. They 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 lack any of the things that make the actual Scorsese movies uh, work. So I wouldn't necessarily be keen to see that movie version of mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. However, there is a a a a possible version of that movie that is good and is fascinating. However, I don't think we're ever going to see it because I know that I don't know if it's still in production. There was a, for a minute production of the Hulk Hogan movie story with Chris Hemsworth set to play him. Get and, out. Um, and for a while, Bradley Cooper was possibly attached to direct or play Vince McMahon. I was going to wow. say, I could see him. Being Cooper would be a good Vince McMahon. Sure. The problem was that it was also being like co-produced by WWE, which means you're not getting, oh, you're right. not going to get, you're not going to get that you're story. Not, you're not. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's like the Bohemian Rhapsody thing, right? Yeah. Where right. It, it files right. down any sort of intrigue of, yeah. of Queen. And, and oh Freddie. man. It might even have been just like looking at that first part of his career, like the rise part. I don't know. Um, it huh. seems impossible that even a friendly movie could like somehow just not mention any of the very public stuff right that, you know but <laughs> it's wwe so who the fuck knows yeah better that that one doesn't get made definitely yeah, maybe it, maybe one of these days after after hogan's passing we'll see mm-hmm. uh some some form of this movie that that isn't just blatant hageography hey, yeah but until that time i mean he's he is he's an in very interesting figure to look into to, to see don't spend any time watching his movies no um i'll say even after doing this go watch the red shoes or battleship yeah. potemkin or something <laughs> or if you, ha- if you have to if you have to watch a hogan movie go watch rocky three it's, yeah, it's, it's a good rocky movie it's a it really a good rocky, rocky. Yeah, i like i like rocky three well, I think that that is a pretty good place for us to to wrap up everything today. Zach, thank you so much for being our guide through this. You're an incredible uh, wealth of knowledge uh, in in this world that we we know nothing about, and this is endlessly fascinating. I feel like I could talk to you about this for for days on end, and and maybe we'll have you come back to do it at some <laughs> no, point. No, literally, like all I want to do is listen to you talk about wrestling, Zach. <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm so fascinated by it. One day, one day when we're in Los Angeles, we'll we'll do it over drinks. Uh, yes, well, uh, yes, I, I'm very I'm glad that I actually have an audience that is interested in in the wrestling one because Lord knows that my girlfriend and at least one of my friends is sick of hearing me <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> 
Well, you've got an audience here, Zach. Um, thank you as always for joining us, for completing your hat trick, and for uh, for being a friend of our show. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I had a blast. Even 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 though I had to watch Santa with muscles. I know. I'm. <laughs> we're sorry. I'm forever sorry about that. Um, where can people find you and your work? Uh, they can find me. I'm on Twitter uh, at Zach uh, underscore Vasquez. Um, my work can be read at uh, Crime Reads, Crooked Marquee. Uh, I'm reviewing this season of SNL for The Guardian. Uh, I just got a couple pieces published in Fangoria. Um, best place to find me, though, is on Twitter. Uh, I generally link to all my stuff there. Zach, as I said, thank you so much for for being a friend of our show for for the last year. Um, before we leave, I'd be remiss. You know, it is it is the holiday season. It is our Christmas episode. Just to say a brief thank you to all of our listeners. Wish them a happy holidays. Thank you to all of our friends who come on this show and and give us the energy to do it. The the reason why we do it, you know, just to to hang out here and and talk some some movies and some politics and things with with a lot of really cool people. So if you've been on the show before, if you're coming on the show uh, soon and we've already booked you, thanks so much for being a part of this. Um, it's it's really is like the the thing sustaining me <laughs> through a crazy couple of years. It it's Amen. it is uh, the most fun we have in our lives and uh, and we really, really appreciate all of you for it. Uh, one more thing that I want to make everyone aware of, if you haven't heard already, uh, we have mentioned this on a couple of shows and online, but we are donating all of our Patreon proceeds for the month of December uh, to an effort with the Pasadena Tenants Union uh, to help facilitate a, a legislative push for rent control in that area. Uh, Pasadena is facing some of the highest rent hikes. Uh, in all of Los Angeles County, there's a, a viable opportunity here to to get something on the ballot that will support rent control, something that can help ideally and and in a perfect world help support arguments and and pushes for rent control in other parts of Los Angeles and throughout California and the country. Um, so we're we're happy to give them our support and our money. Um, so please tell your friends, subscribe to the show if you don't already. Uh, it's going to a good cause and you'll get lots of cool bonus stuff. We've got a couple of really awesome bonus episodes going to the Patreon uh, over the course of the next month here that uh, I'm sure you all will want to hear. As always, you can follow us at HitFactoryPod. Um, as I mentioned, so support us at patreon.com slash HitFactoryPod. Shout out to our capitalist overlords. Their names are Linda and Jesse K. And we will catch you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Think of all the fun I've missed. Of all the fellas that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good If you check off my Christmas list boom, 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 boom.
Santa baby, I want a yacht and really that's not a lot. Been an angel all year, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa honey, one little thing I really need, the deed. A platinum mine, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie, and fill my stocking with a duplex and checks. Sign your X on the line, Santa cutie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Thank you. 